0: Hey lab rats, it is I, Igor. Well, I am back after a few bad weeks of family stuff, but ready to focus on true crime. Uh, Queen V and I did lose our uncle to COVID and appreciate the support we received from everyone, so been driving that struggle bus a lot lately, but as long as I've got my good friends, booze, and can get sleep, I am going to Gloria Gaynor my life, and that is meaning I will survive. I called this a mini-sode, but we'll see because there's a lot that we have to get through with all the crazy news updates and the stories recently on high-profile cases. So we are gonna see. We're gonna start with the old news flash. Robert Durst was finally convicted after all these years, which we'll get into right now. So I'm sure you guys have heard about the case of Robert Durst, but if not, holy shit, where have you been? Have you heard of Netflix? Anyway, now that I've gotten that out of my system, here are the deets. Durst is the heir to a Manhattan real estate empire and was convicted within the last few days of killing his longtime friend Susan Berman. Now, Susan Berman was found back in 2000, Christmas Eve, shot execution style in her home, and she'd been a friend of Durst since the 60s. Susan Berman had also been Durst's spokesperson and supplied an alibi for him in her 1982 deposition regarding his first wife Kathy's disappearance. She received 100,000 cash gifts, quote unquote, from Durst a month prior to her murder, so a truly wicked puss person who deserves what he gets, Dursty. Now, it's debatable how much she knew about Kathy's vanishing, but given her mob family history, she probably knew at least some things and uh, maybe knew not to ask about his business. The prosecutors felt and claimed Berman assisted Durst in covering up Kathy's murder, calling 80 witnesses, and about 300 bits of evidence were shown. The 78 year old Durst totally now looks like death has a grip on his mean old ass and he will be sentenced in October. Now, if you look at, if you watch the Netflix series, I mean, he's not young and spry, but you know, he looks about his age, whatever that was then, 60s something. Now he looks, I couldn't even tell it was him. And you know what? Uh, That's all I'm going to say. Just we'll get into here now. So he gets charged with lying in wait and killing a witness, the most incriminating proof against dirty, 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 the jinx, the life and deaths of Robert Durst. Like I said, the Netflix special where he was interviewed for more than 20 hours with producers and he makes acknowledgments pointing to his guilt. There's a real famous one. I'm going to let you watch it because I've got to watch it again. It's been quite a while. Let's not forget that he was acquitted 2003 of the killing and dismemberment of Morris Black, a neighbor of his, in which uh, Durst claims self-defense while hiding his identity dressed as a mute woman. And uh, that little tidbit isn't even in the WTF section. So just hang on. okay? we're just in the news flash. Kathy McCormick's family is asking for justice for Kathy now as well. Now that he's finally been indicted. And also I remembered while I was looking this up that the movie All Good Things with one of my boyfriends, Ryan Gosling, is based on this relationship and is really good, y'all. So check it out. Ryan Gosling. Awesome. Next we have on the news flash is the Piketon murders update. Angela Wagner finally pled guilty or pleaded guilty five months after her son Jake did the same in the Roden family slayings here in Ohio from 2016. She was charged with murder, evidence tampering, burglary, and those are just a few of the charges. She made the deal for 30 years in prison for her role in the massacre. Now her husband and other sons say they aren't guilty, so they haven't broken them yet. Christopher Roden's brother Tony has sued the Wagners for being a pack of malignant devils, which I feel... So we're going to move to OMG, which now I kind of want to call WTF. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll just say both. I don't know. But this is about the Murdaugh murders. And I think it's Murdaugh. I don't think it's Murdoch. But I'm going to say Murdaugh. And you can just tell me if I'm wrong. And then there was a great title of this article that I found from USA Today. The Murdaugh Murders, How One Tragedy-Prone Family came to dominate U.S. headlines with shootings, an assisted suicide attempt, and other bizarre mishaps. And it is by Nathan Place. I wanted to say Nathan Lane because, you know, it just kicks it up a notch for me. So let's start with who is Alex Murdaugh. Murdaugh is 53, a former attorney, and the heir to a powerful family. This kind of sounds like Dursty, doesn't it? And so he has a powerful family of attorneys and lawyers in the 14th Judicial Circuit of South Carolina, which includes all these counties. I'm not going to go into it. You can look it up. His grandfather, father, and great-grandfather all held the office of solicitor in that circuit, and other family members were prominent civil attorneys in the region. He also is currently being investigated for misappropriation of funds from his firm that he... I don't... I think he resigned... Or was, made, or was you know, made to resign. You know how that goes. That'll be, I'm sure, one of the many things we find out as this evolves. So I put together a timeline because there's so much shit going on. So this starts in 2015, where 19-year-old Stephen Smith was found dead on a road in Hampton County. Not sure his connection, but as they find things out about the current drama, they seem to be reopening cases that he's connected to so that would be something to look into but Stephen smith is the first one 2018 there was the death of his nanny and longtime housekeeper gloria satterfield and she was with him for 20 years and died after falling down some stairs but that's according to the illustrious alex in june of this year so i guess they managed to stay out of stuff or keep it under wraps But June of this year, Alex's wife, Maggie, 52, and son, Paul, 22, were found shot near dog kennels on their hunting property. September 4th, Alex was shot in the head while he was changing a tire. Again, that's, you can hear by my sarcasm, that's in quotes. And it was superficial, and he survived. On the 13th of September, he had admitted to the Popo. He set up the shooting with a former client named Curtis Smith. 61. You totally have to look at this dude's mugshot. A smug mug comes to mind because this eyebrow arch of his left eyebrow is killing me. It's like he's saying, is there anything else I know? Possibly. You, you just have to see it. It's just crazy. September 15th, the police announced they are investigating the death of Gloria Satterfield, the nanny, along with Stephen Smith. Because, listen to this shit. The Satterfield family sued the Murdaws and got a settlement, but he's such a dick that he didn't pay it. He's a malignant, devil, trust fund baby freak, okay? The death certificate said that it was a natural death for her. So the new coroner said boo sheet and asked for it to be reopened. On the 16th of September, Alex turned himself in Thursday morning and was charged with insurance fraud because of the scheme to shoot him in the head and give his $10 million life insurance to his other son, conspiracy to commit insurance fraud, and filing a false police report. Now, this is, he turned himself in after leaving a detox center that was hopefully addressing his opioid addiction. That, according to his attorney, for the last 20 years, there have been many people feeding his addiction, this is Alex, to opioids. I'm sure, because he's rich as fuck. During that time, these individuals took advantage of his addiction and his ability to pay substantial funds for illegal drugs. And the attorney's name is Mr. Har- Harputlian <laughs> Sounds like a fart. And he went on to say one of those individuals took advantage of his mental illness and agreed to take Alex's life by shooting him in the head. His attorney maintains that the botched suicide attempt was unrelated to the murders of Maggie and Paul, and that Mr. Murdoch does not know who killed them. We're gonna find out, ain't we? I'm not believing that, but that is just that is definitely uh OMG, WTF, whatever you kids say these days. It's crazy. It's crazy. So for our main event here, these Utah disappearances, murders, it's just really been a focus and I wanted to get into it more. Now they're both developing, but what also got me was the possible link. So here we go. The Utah Mysteries, on to the main event. The Van Life couple is both, both of them are now missing. This just happened uh, like yesterday, Friday, yesterday, but I'm obviously recording this over the weekend. The Boyfriend's House Brian laundry and it is laundry because i watched the video of their domestic incident and the cop says laundry and he says yes so Brian laundry his house is being searched in Newport Florida and i found this from the sun there's a lot of articles obviously on this but i have looked at the sun fox news new york post the daily beast and Law and & Crime, which Dick Wolf is involved in. That's right, of Law & Order. Brian Laundry's attorney was quoted saying, Be advised, the whereabouts of Brian Laundry are currently unknown. The FBI is currently at the Laundry residence, removing property to assist in locating Brian. As of now, the FBI is looking for both Gabby and Brian. His family says they haven't seen him since Tuesday. So, makes you wonder, but I'm not saying they're guilty, but I mean... Hmm, this whole thing is just jacked. So 22-year-old Gabby Petito, one of the Van Life couple, girlfriend of Brian, Laundrie, has been missing for two weeks, and it wasn't him, who is her companion and fiancé, that reported her missing. And as I was looking this up, there was a new update that was in, it said from four minutes ago, that Laundrie offered $200 for a ride for a TikToker, Miranda Baker, she says that her and her boyfriend were approached by Laundrie at the Grand Teton National Park in Colter Bay, Wyoming. Laundry said he was hiking alone when he asked Baker and her boyfriend for a ride in their Jeep at 5.30 p.m. on August 29th. That places him around the area, so keep that in mind. August 12th, police cam footage, which, like I said, I did just watch, shows Gabby being interviewed about a fight her and Laundrie got into because Laundrie wouldn't allow her to get into her own van. This uh, upscaled or van that they upgraded so they could travel in it, and she put in a sink and was really excited about it, and he did some work on it as well. He wouldn't even let her in there. I guess they had a rough morning, and they got into a fight, and the the dude... The police dude was falling behind him, and it picks up from right before he pulls it over. And we'll get into that here in a second. But he hits, he goes, he hits the curb, and so they must have been really fighting. Petito and Laundrie grew up together on Long Island. He later moved to Florida with his parents, and she moved there to join them. There's this picture of Gabby and Laundrie where she's on his back, and I'm sure you've seen it. She looks like 13 years old, and it just... This makes me so sad. They started out their trip July 2nd, and they were going to Kansas, Colorado, and then on to Moab, Utah, which is where this all kind of culminates. Laundrie stated on his Instagram page at some point, bug bites are better than being brainwashed by the media. For some reason, that strikes me, which I get it, and I, and I agree to a certain extent, but knowing that he's taken off after not telling people that his fiance was tra- was missing, then I wonder if he's hoping he can be the one to influence the media on this one. So stay tuned for that. But newlywed murders. And this has to do with a couple that were staying in Moab, Utah. We have two deaths of a newly married couple found on August eighteenth near their campsite. Kylan Schulte and Crystal Turner. And if you look at their pictures, they look so happy. It makes me so depressed. They were just married in April. Two private citizens have offered a $10,000 reward each for information about the homicides. Both the FBI and State Bureau of Investigation are reportedly assisting in the investigation. The couple was found in a Kia Sorento and then a 8740 Icono line van where their items were found. So the van was towed from the McDonald's parking lot where Crystal had worked. There's a connection again too is van. They both had a van and couple together traveling it's just really sad. Now according to heavy.com here's five fast facts that you need to know about Schulte and Turner about this couple. They were found shot to death near a campsite after being last seen at a tavern. Now Schulte's 24, Turner 38. They were seen at Woody's Tavern in Moab on August 13th. Five days later, like I mentioned, they were found dead, this says near a creek, so I'm guessing in that vehicle uh, near a creek, near the South Mesa area, from gunshots in their backs, chest, and sides, which leads to number two, Schulte texted a friend about a creepy man around the campsite. They were found undressed from the waist down, and one had on a bra that was raised to expose her breasts. A friend reported that Schulte sent a text that said if something happened to them that they were murdered and a creepy man was around their camp who they found intimidating. A journal and a Bible were among items recovered from the van. So that could lead some insight. You know, obviously the journal, maybe they had some things written in the Bible as well. This is going into the third step here. The third point, Schulte's dad has been critical of authorities. Sean Paul Schulte, from Montana, has posted a series of angry comments on Facebook. One read, One thing is on my mind. Where the hell is the FBI? I, for one, have not seen one single person. I have not been questioned by the FBI. I don't see or hear them. The Grand Co. Sheriff is in charge? Question marks? Are they putting clues in FBI database? IDK. And if I don't know, who the hell does? On the 13th of September, he wrote, If I had DNA, I would search every database you all suggest. I am a father in a park looking for local clues by local folks. Yes, two other missing girls look like Chris. I mean, Crystal, but he calls her Chris. I get it. Yes, one passed through Moab. I get that. I repeat, I am one person, a father in a park. I do not work for the FBI. Moab, here I am. Come look into these eyes. Oh, Kylan's eyes. Tell me your clue. He went on to set up a table that he was calling a clue booth to get tips. I mean, that just hits it right there, you know, just feeling so alone and devastated. Four, Petito and Laundry were in a domestic argument in Moab, like we, I had mentioned before. Police say both, including witnesses, say that Petito slapped Laundry. So Gabby slapped Brian during an argument and Laundry grabbed her face and pushed her back. Like I said, they pulled him over. He hit a curb. He was going 45 and a 15. And the police officer mentions to the dispatch person that the driver, Brian, may have been drinking. On through the clip, there's no more uh, talk of that. And I don't think that he was taking any breathalyzer. But um, just the emotion of it when they were talking to each of them individually, it kind of comes out that's what happened. Gabby gets out crying, saying how stressed out she is. And that he's been making her over her setting up her website. When Brian was out of the vehicle, the policeman notices scratches on his face. Brian said he hit the curb when Gabby grabbed the wheel. So, you know, a little bit of a situation there. That's a lot of stress when you're traveling and you're young and it's just a lot going on. Five, police asked Laundrie to call us to arrange a conversation. The police chief in North Point, Florida, where Laundrie lives... Took the unusual step on September fifteenth of tweeting at Laundry and his lawyer and asking them to speak with authorities about Petito's disappearance. Chief Todd Garrison, Mr. Garrison, tweeted at Laundry in his sorry Laundry and his attorney at MPPD Police Chief Mr. Stephen Bertolino, Esquire. The at North Police needs you to help. Need your help in finding Gabby Petito. Please call us to arrange a conversation with Brian Laundry. Two people left on a trip and one person returned. Exclamation mark. Hashtag Where's Gabby? Hashtag Find Gabby. Hashtag Gabby Petito. And there is a picture of the memorial service flyer of the of Kylan and Crystal from the 17th. It's so sad. It says, Kylan was my sunshine, Crystal was my moonbeam, you are all my stars. It's just so sad, and they have like, they have a little, it was uh, catered by local places who gave hamburgers and hot dogs, slum goulian, which is a favorite dish the girls loved, not sure what that is, fruit salad, chips, hard-boiled eggs, sog stories, so just a real hippie, like, let's come together vibe, like I mentioned before. The police are not closed-minded in thinking that these cases with the Van Life couple, Gabby and Brian, being linked to Kylan and Crystal. The New York Post on the 15th has an article stating that two days after that domestic incident involving Gabby and Asmunch McGee, Crystal and wife Kylan were found shot to death near their campsite. The Nulliades were seen at that local bar the night before, and now there's speculation They may have run into the other Van Life couple, and this turned tragic. P.S. Brian Dirty Laundry gives me total Chris Watt Watt vibes big time. He just does. Crystal, like I said, Crystal was 38 and Kylan was 24, and Kylan has these wise, kind eyes. And for her youth, you can just tell she has an old soul. And the pictures together, they just exude such happiness and love, and it just, it's so heartbreaking. So I'm gonna take a break now, cause this is all getting me, uh, getting to me. So I posted some cute animals that I looked up on Google. I think I looked up cutest animals. So they're on the Crime Keeper Facebook page. And as I lo- really looked at them, some of them don't look real, but I don't care cause they're just uh, so adorable. There's like a, I don't think it's a hedgehog. There's a little baby rabbit, a little turtle guy in someone's hand a deer, a little baby fox, and a basket, a friggin' basket full of baby owls. I think they're stuffed animals, but just, again, just so cute. And then a seal looking, looking like some kind of a little snow dog. And I also posted an additional one that's, I don't know if it's a baby octopus, but an octopi, Bigfoot, but it is just flesh covered cuteness. Okay, lab rats, let's move on to the Betty Page attempted murder charge. Now, this one I just recently heard about within like the last month and was totally floored. This is very sad and surprising about Betty Page, but it needs to be told because we need to shed more light on the tenuous state of mental illness in America. Starting off, Betty had a tough childhood. She and her sisters spent a year in an orphanage when their parents weren't able to take care of them any longer. Her father was in and out of her life and jail, unfortunately, and began molesting Betty when she was 13. But she was on the debate team. She was a salutatorian, was voted most likely to succeed by her class, along with the homecoming queen. She moved from her small town to L.A., then New York, where her mental state began to devolve. Mostly, it had religious leanings and violence. In 1972, Betty was running through a motel, waving a gun, and screaming about the retribution of God. Now, she wasn't charged for this. Some people think it's because of who she is. The next month, she threatened her ex and his kids and said if they didn't pray to a photo of Jesus... And keep her eyes on the photo. She would cut them out. And and their guts. So their eyes and their guts. If their gaze straight at all. She held them at knife point until police came. And this time Betty did get four months in a hospital. And was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. Her ex seems to be a really nice guy. He must have really felt something for her. Because he let her back into his home. Let her move back in. while she, To recover... But he had to call the police again when she got really pissed off and trashed his house. While in the back of the police car, she began to masturbate. Now, this to me, all of this is really sorrowful, but this act itself just points to how much help this poor soul needed. She was once again in the hospital, this time for six months under a suicide watch. Just so bad. I don't know if Betty wasn't taking her meds, if they weren't the right ones. The right ones needed uh, weren't around yet, but she had another horrific incident in 79 where she attacked her elderly landlord without provocation and was charged with assault with a deadly weapon. She was found not guilty by reason of insanity, sentenced to five years in a state hospital, but served less than a year. Now, this woman obviously needed help, and they were trying to be kind to her, but they weren't being kind to her because she needed the damn help. Not long after her release, Betty again broke into her new landlord's apartment, this time told the landlord, God has inspired me to kill you. She stabbed her multiple times and sadistically sliced the corner of of her mouth to her ear cutting off her finger. So she did all this to this poor, terrified lady. The victim was disfigured by the assault. Betty was confined to a state mental hospital for eight and a half years where she finally served the entire sentence. The article's author says Betty suffered from obvious and severe mental illness. And when I say that, I mean she suffered in a very real way. Mental health care is not a luxury for people who want to feel good. It's a necessary component of a civilized society. Couldn't agree more. So although I was shocked to hear about her crimes, I was really just heartbroken to hear about her struggle. And obviously this was kept under wraps for a long time to shield her fans and her reputation, which is understandable. Now we are going to wrap things up, kids, with the Crime Keeper. Beakers up. We're doing a two for this week. These stories really touched me, and I was obviously in an emotional place recently so um decided to go ahead with these now i was watching unsolved mysteries the original robert stack the daddy of them all and this show like millions of others had a real impact on the young impressionable lab assistant back when the hair was high and the shoulder pads were even higher this is about eric danowski he had to have three liver transplants before he was a year old and he almost didn't make it. His body rejected the first liver. Three weeks after his second, he developed viral pneumonia. His family asked the community for their prayers, and a local local newspaper journalist printed the story. Within a week, Eric started to get better, and by his first birthday, he had beaten the virus. He did have to get a third transplant, which was successful. He's now 30 years old, and I looked him up because I was just curious if he was able to live because a lot of times in these stories, they end up passing away at a younger age. He started a transplant foundation with his family. Eric is a CEO, and his family is on the board of directors with him. He has three kids, married, and it just was a really good story because all that positive energy being focused on this family this little baby it's whether you believe in you know god or goddess or the universe or whatever positive energy it really does work and that just made me feel so good so he understood all that and he went on to make a difference beakers up next one is about the afghan girls robotics team now they were able to escape and are continuing their training After fleeing the Taliban, members of the Afghan's all-female robotics team, called the Afghan Dreamers, have evacuated Afghanistan for Qatar and are continuing their education and enriching their robotic skills through scholarships funded by Qatar Foundation and Qatar Fund for Development. Qatari officials arranged for the nine members of the team to fly to Doha when the Taliban took over because they were so high profile, and of course that made them a target. The Dreamers actually started with a few members in 2017, now have 50 members, and awards across the globe, and they made this year's Forbes 30 Under 30 Asia. And that's where I got this article is from Forbes. One of these awards was building a robot that uses solar energy for small-scale farms so making a difference, and even more impact under current climate conditions. During the pandemic in 2020, they constructed ventilators for COVID-19 patients at Afghanistan hospitals. So, I mean, amazing. Under Western control, in addition to other freedoms, 1.6 million more women entered the workforce in Afghanistan over the past 20 years. And in an attempt to continue this upward trend and ensure the safety of the dreamers, Qatar's aid is an early step toward advocating for a new generation of women. So important. They're so repressed. The girls have resettled at Education City which is a campus with multiple academic institutions, and will have opportunities to strengthen their skills at QTAR Foundation member universities, which include Carnegie Mellon and Texas A&M. The Deputy Minister of Women Affairs, Hasna Jalil, she was the first woman to hold a senior position in the ministry, extols the robotics team and views them as a paragon of progress and success. What I have learned from these girls is they won't give up. They start something and they don't give up. They make it happen. I'm absolutely proud of these teenagers, their dedication, their passion, their determination. It keeps inspiring me, which I hope it does you with those stories. So like to end on a, a good vibe, if possible, after all this shittiness that we've entered in together. But once again, thanks for hanging with me. It ended up kind of being a minisode probably after I edit, and really appreciate it. Hope you guys have a great week. And remember, everyone has to find their truth. Mine, say it with me now, is Abby Normal. If you enjoy the experience and experiments of Murder Lab, go to Facebook, Instagram, and murderlabmedia.com for updates. Share with your friends, those you created in a lab or not, as long as they can subscribe and listen, we'll take it. Murder Lab is available on Google Play and iTunes. The RSS feed is on murderlabmedia.com for you to plug into your podcast app. We can always use more lab rats. Now, if this tid visit